Father, I bless you. I give you praise for who you are. In the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we give a hand to our Lord? Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. So we started with a glory. Hallelujah. We told you that the glory is the beauty, the manifested presence of God. In the Old Testament, when we talk about glory, they refer to many things. I told you that glory can be an external thing, like uh, the manifestation, the external manifestation of God. Like in the Old Testament, we will see that glory is sometimes spoken of as a cloud. Hallelujah. And the glory also is spoken of as uh, wealth. Glory is spoken of as wisdom. Because the wisdom of Solomon was his glory. So glory is something that beautifies the objects that it comes upon. And glory is something that, that, that speaks of a, of a manifestation of God upon something. Now, when the people of Israel were escaping from, Israel, uh, from Egypt, the Bible says that by night there was a pillar of fire and by day there was a cloud. And that was the glory of God going before them. So one of the things of the glory is that the glory of God also moves with us. Hallelujah. The glory moves with us. So we talked about the glory of the latter house. And I explained to you the history of temples in the Old Testament. And then we came to a place where we realized that we are now the temples. Hallelujah. And the same way, the glory was manifesting on the temples of the Old Testament. The same way the glory manifests with us today. Hallelujah. The glory talks about... The presence. Hallelujah. The, do, the glory talks about God manifesting himself. You see, in the Old Testament, there was never a time where the glory was with them and they lost. Have you realized that? There was never a time where the glory was present and then they lost. Now, there was a, a time where they took the ark of the Lord and uh, they went to war with the ark in the book of 1 Samuel. They went to war with the ark and they lost the battle. And the Philistines took the ark and went to the territory with the ark. Now, you will understand that the ark represents the glory. But there was a catch. Because they were not walking according to God's way, the presence was not on the ark. So they could be defeated because although the ark was called glory, what makes it glory was not there anymore. It was captured. Then, when they took the ark to their gods, the glory came upon the ark again. And the gods were defeated. Those who tried to look inside of a box and were killed. 
Hallelujah. So the only place where a child of God can be defeated is where he's in disobedience. It means that in the New Testament, if you are in disobedience, although God is with you, but God will not manifest. Hallelujah. In the New Testament, when you are in disobedience, it means when you are not walking with the presence, with the Holy Spirit, and you do as you want, you will still be defeated. Hallelujah. Let me take a simple example. In the New Testament, if you are a believer and uh, you go and you steal, you will receive the punishment that is due to it. The law will not say no, he's a believer. Amen. Or, if you don't tame your tongue and you are lying all the time, eh, you cannot claim that the glory is upon you. Hallelujah. If you are not married and you stay with somebody, the glory is not there. No, you need to know that. I'm not saying God is not in your environment, but the glory is not here. It means you are walking away from the glory. So in the New Testament, the reason why we walk according to God is not just so that God will be just happy, but we walk because that's our nature. And if we walk away from our nature, how do we prove who we are? Because the Bible says the tree is recognized by the fruit. Amen? So, if I do something that does not look like the tree, which fruit am I bearing? Hallelujah. <clears throat> which, which, which fruit? It means if I'm a Christian and then <clears throat> I walk in a way that is not pleasing unto the Lord in me, which nature am I bearing? Which nature? Yeah, I flesh, but it's a demonic nature. Let's call it by its name. It's a demonic nature. It means I'm not walking in the light. The Bible says you walk in the darkness. And the chief prince of the darkness is Satan. So a child of God that walks not according to the light is walking according to the darkness. And when you walk according to the darkness, he cannot claim that darkness has nothing to do with him. Jesus says in the book of John chapter 14 verse 30, he said, well, he said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Remember, whatever the enemy comes to do, he comes to claim what belongs to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me give you an example. Um, okay, give me your bag, Leon. Now, this is Leon's bag. And then I come 
And let's say I steal it. And I put it in my house. Can I say Leon cannot come to my house because it's my house? If Leon knows that the bag is in my house, does he have the right to come and claim it? When he comes, can I tell him you can't get into my house? If I say that, he will bring the police with a warrant. When they come there, can I speak? They will get in and take it. So whenever you keep something that belongs to the devil, you break a spiritual law. So when he comes, you can't claim your Christianity because it belongs to him. And God is a God of justice. Sometimes we talk about the grace of the Lord, but we forget that God is a God of justice. And the justice of God demands that when a thief is caught, he must give back seven times. So I need to put that to the record straight. Otherwise, you will be like a Philistine with an ark that means nothing. Uh, the Jews with an ark that means nothing. Hallelujah. The ark needs to mean something to us. The glory needs to mean something to us. If it means nothing to us, it will not manifest. Haven't you realized that many Christians are not really living a life of victory? And then when we are not living a life of victory, we justify it by saying that Jesus said we will go through trouble. But the trouble Jesus is talking about, he's talking about persecution for your faith. Hallelujah. He's talking about persecution for your faith. He's not talking about you know this man is not born again. You go marry him and you say, Jesus said we'll go for persecution. No, that's your own doing, your own thing. So that persecution is not God, it's you. So you can't say, Jesus said Christian will be persecuted. No! <laughs> or you work, you get involved, involved in bribe, bribery. They catch you, they want to fire you, you come pray a line. They're persecuting me at work, but you don't tell why. No, pray for me because at work things are tough. I don't think they like me. I don't think my boss likes me. But you forgot that that is not a persecution. That is a due result, uh, 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 reward of your doing. So many of the things that Christians are suffering from, I'm not saying all. But if you go and check the roots, they created it. If you want to walk with the glory, you tame your tongue. Hallelujah. You speak the word of God. You don't speak something else. I'm giving you practicals so that you may know how to walk with the glory. Hallelujah. When you walk with the glory... You don't entertain things of darkness because you are in light. Hallelujah. You are full of unforgiveness. Then you say the glory of God is upon me. No. No, 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 no. You must understand that there is what we call the manifested presence and what we call just the presence. Eh? Jesus can be with you but he's not manifesting. He was in the boat. He was sleeping. 
Hallelujah. He was there. But he was doing nothing. Until they woke him up. Waking up, waking up means acknowledge his presence. That's what it means. Because the acknowledge is here. And when he wakes up, he takes over. But if he's not taking over and you are doing it yourself, he's there, but you don't have a lively Jesus <laughs> in your boat. So you scream, 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 and you feel like, God, what is going on here? They tell us at church, we must confess, we must. I'm doing all this, but nothing is working. The reason why it's not working sometimes is because the foundations are not right. And we need to be awakened to the fatherhood of God. You know, the beauty of this, because before I go on, I need to set this record. The beauty of this is that if you make a mistake and you repent, God takes you on again. Amen. You understand? The God that we are serving is a merciful God. Amen. If you realize that I'm making a mistake, just ask God to help you. Now, I talk about Mary. If you are already married, don't divorce the guy. Just stay there. <laughs> don't go and say the pastor say I made a mistake so bye bye no don't do that when you are already married and you made the choice and you made a vow to stay with him you know what you do you humble yourself you go before God you say this is my doing it's not you but you are a merciful God I'm praying that you may have mercy on me because I want to serve you with this man and the God of heaven will be able to touch him but if you are arrogant, you knew the guy was not born again, you married him. Now when you go home, he said, you know what? I know you want to pray now, but I need you. No, Raboka Shatapa. No, no, you are arrogant. You are very arrogant because you chose. So you can say to the guy, okay, it's fine. It's fine. I'll be there for you. And then you go on the time where the guy is not busy with you. The man cannot come from work and you are praying. No. When he comes, you should be there for him. Because you chose that. You look after him. Hallelujah. You look after him. That's your dead baby. You trust God for the baby to come back to life. I don't check what I'm saying. Because Jesus brought the children, the, 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 the dead to life to back to life. Remember uh, in the time of uh, Elisha or no, Elijah when uh, the woman that Elijah prophesied that she would have a child, when the child died she took the dead baby and put it in the room and she didn't even speak to her husband. She went to Elijah and when they asked her is everything fine she said yes it is well. She locked the door and she went to Elijah. When Elijah came Elijah brought the child back to, the, to life. So sometimes you, you make choices and then you realize they are dead. Now those choices, you look after them and then you go to God. And you say, Father, this guy is dead inside there. If it's not for you, I will be staying with a dead guy. But I trust that as you could raise Lazarus from the dead, you will raise this man back to life. And then you go on your knees. But you do it, you do it with humility. Hallelujah. You do it with humility. You don't, you don't do it with arrogance. You need to know that. That's what the apostle tried to say. He said, if you marry somebody that is not saved, if you, have, if you marry somebody that's not saved, it doesn't mean when you are born again, you must go and marry somebody that's not saved. He's talking about the case of both were not born again, and then one came to the Lord. 
He said, in that case, don't, don't go away because you might save him. So it means that when, when, when the guy is not born again, you, you treat him well. I don't know why I'm going there, actually. Because that was not part of my mission tonight. You see, you see some people, they come to pray. What do you want for? This guy of mine is a drunkard. I say, so why do you want me to pray for him? No, he's a drunkard. I say, no, I don't pray for him. Because I can't pray for something you have no respect for. You can come and say, listen, my, my husband is struggling with some stuff. But when you talk in an is a drunkard, it's useless. So why are you there? And you ask me to pray for a useless thing, I don't do that. I pray for things that are values in God's eyes. And it doesn't matter how drunkard he is, he's still valuable in God's eyes. And God is able to turn him around and make him a man after his heart. When you say that, I'll tell you, me also, I was a drunkard. You won't believe it, but I was a drunkard. Yeah, you can ask, I was a drunkard. I never knew I would serve God. I rebelled completely because I didn't, my father was a pastor. I didn't want to have anything to do with church because every time you go church, 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 church. I said, no. I don't want that. The first person that prophesied over me that I would serve God, I nearly beat that guy up. I said, well, what foolishness is that? You see, but today by God's mercy, I'm serving him. So we never know. Maybe that drunkard is an apostle. <laughs> he does not just know that yet. He hasn't discovered the grace of the Lord upon his life yet, but he's still an apostle. Because you have the calling by birth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you want to walk with your glory, you need to have that mindset of not regarding any man according to the flesh anymore, but according to the spirit. Because when you, if you honor men, God will honor you. I, I want you to Write that down. If you honor men, God will honor you. Yes. If you honor men, God will honor you. If you dishonor men, you will be dishonored. And when I talk about men, I'm not talking about males. I'm talking about mankind. Hallelujah. The degree of honor that you have for somebody, God will cause the people to honor you. Hallelujah. You know, some, some cultures are rude. Some cultures are very rude. They, they never learn the principle of honor. So they don't know how to honor people. You see a child that talks to his father eye to eye. Hey, winner. You talk to your father like that. And then you come, hallelujah, stop it. There's no hallelujah here. There's no hallelujah here. Because the Bible is clear. It says, honor your father and your mother and you shall live long. He said, if you don't do that, your light or lamp will be taken away. It means your vision. So there are many people sitting here that have no honor for elderly people. You see, in our days, when you catch a bus and the elderly person comes, you stand up. Now, it's cell phone. <laughs> then, then you'd film him. No, he's very sick. He's in polynomial. What's wrong? His lungs is collapsing at 15. What? 
dishonor. That's the reason why people are dying early. Because the glory keeps you long. Let me tell you something. In the Garden of Eden, when the glory of God was there, these people couldn't die. When they were cast out of the garden, they still lived 900 years. How? Because the residue of the glory in them has to go out before they die. So you can see how the glory has departed. Because if you study the Bible, you realize that people start to live 900 years. Then they start to cut short. Then, 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 then they come down to 70. Even Moses that said people will be 80, live 120 years. Why are people dying early? The glory of God has departed from us. I'm not talking about God is not with us. Listen, I'm a preacher of God is with us. But I'm talking about because we don't honor what we have. It's not active in our bodies. Have you asked yourself why Noah could live 900, 700, all these people, and now 60 years, they're just saying the old men? Hallelujah. In Moses' time, the retirement age was over 100 years. Because Caleb was 85. And he said, I am strong as when I was 40. And he said, I can't retire now. Give me another assignment. Give me the mountain. Now, in my youth, I was conquering stuff. But now, as I'm 85, I want mountains. Because they lived in the glory. Because they knew how to walk with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So these are are keys for success. You know, some people, some people, when God starts to bless them, their shoulders become so big. When they look at you, they despise you. And then they say, oh, that man of God, he was just fat, he died. And they say, it was God's will. What? Sometimes, it's their ways that cause God to remove them from the land. Because they have no regard for elders anymore. Because he's a man of God. So children, when I say children, I'm not talking about babies. I'm talking about if you have a father here, you are a child. Hallelujah. When I say if you have a father, if you have somebody that is older than you, you are still a child. Hallelujah. Honor people. I say honor those who are older than you. Don't talk to them as you are talking to your kids, brother. Because when you do that, you are breaking a law. <coughs> and we teach our children wrong. We think it's relationship. Children come hitting your chest. Hi, ah, buddy. Hi. Say, ah, my children, ah, we have a good relationship. You are, you, you are training him wrong. And I'm not saying don't have, have a relationship with your children. Play with them, but show them honor. Don't undress when your children are there. You are quiet. What are you showing them? Show them that the body is something that you care for and you don't see the body of somebody that you are not part of. 
No, you don't. You think maybe tonight is very... It's like that. I'm, talk, I'm trying to teach you life. Hallelujah. When you have to tell your child, go out, I'm going to change. When I finish, you come. He has access to your bedroom because he's your child. But there are some stuff he does not have access to. Now, when we are still babies, I'm fine. But when we start to discern and they ask questions about stuff, get them out of the room. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get them out. <laughs> you know, he's my child, he's my child. Some of you are still buffing your child. The guy is 10 years old, you are still buffing with him. What is that? Which seed are you sowing? You didn't know that the teaching would turn sour like this. <laughs> because I realized that if I don't do that, you will be excited, but it will not work. Because you will try to apply it, but you are breaking laws, laws, laws before you get there. If I, if I teach you how to play, and I don't teach you how to respect the player in front of you, every time the referee will blow at you because you will walk over him. I need to tell you that in this game, you don't bump into people. You don't grab them and throw them. It's not rugby. This is soccer. So if you don't know soccer, you only know rugby, you come to a field, then you go. You, you throw them. You think you are advancing. But you are making a lot of damage on your way. So for you to know the glory, you need to know the rules of the glory. Listen, the glory of God is a very exciting subject, but the glory of God needs to be entertained by the body of Christ. And we need to know that this body, this glory that is in us, God is jealous of his glory. There is one thing that God protects the most in everywhere, it is glory. Remember, on the ark he put the cherubims, the cherubims, to protect the glory. In heaven, cherubims are around the throne to protect the glory, because the glory is precious. Hallelujah. Amen. I say hallelujah. If you do that, you walk with God like that, nothing will stop you. I say nothing will stop you. Amen. So if you are here and you are not you are disrespecting your parent, repent before it's too late. I say repent before it's too late. Hallelujah. Amen. Go before them. Say, listen, I'm sorry. The way I've been treating and honoring is not when they are there. You say, oh, dad, you are nice. It's the way you think about them. Because your thoughts are the biggest place of honoring. It means when I say, ah, and take a mirror, show, and I look at you, but my thoughts are insulting you. God hear my thought more than what I'm doing here. So what I'm doing, what I'm doing means nothing. So what you do is that Paul said, we regard no man according to the flesh. So what you, when you go before God, you say, Father, my parents or my husband or my wife does not behave like somebody that must be honored. But I know one thing. You love him. Make me see him the way you see him. Amen. That's all. Say, God, make me see him the way you see him. Because if I see him the way I see him, I will dishonor him. But if, you can, if I can see him the way you see him, I will honor him. Okay. Woo. 
Thank you, Jesus. I say, thank you, Jesus. Now, let me go on the glory, and then we'll finish, and then we'll pray. <laughs> the glory of God. Listen, Moses beheld the glory. Yo, what, what an exciting time, but I will come to a more exciting time. Moses was on the mountain with God, and he saw the glory, God in his glory. Remember, Moses said to God, let me see you. And God said, you cannot see my face, but you'll see my back. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, God passed Moses. And Moses saw the glory of God. On another occasion, Moses sat with God for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the cloud with God. And when Moses came down, his face was so shiny. Because he has encountered the glory. You see, the glory has the ability even to transform your physical body. If you live in the glory, people will struggle to tell your age. Hallelujah. Because it doesn't matter how old you will become, you will look still younger than your age. Why? Because God's presence in you vitalize you. Moses experienced that. Hallelujah. I say Moses experienced that. The Bible says his face was shining. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't need any makeup. His face was shining. <laughs> Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35. Let's read quickly. Exodus 34. Take this thing out. It's going to be hot. Exodus 34. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Exodus. Let's go quickly because your time is running here. Exodus 34, 29 to 35. Hallelujah. It says... Now it was so, when Moses came down from the mountain, from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while, it went too quickly, while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, Behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near. Just stop there. Moses was with God, and his appearance changed. Does it remind you of somebody also? Jesus, at the Mount of Transfiguration. When the glory of God broke through in the natural, the face of Jesus changed. Everything changed. He shone. And the disciples, and they saw who? Uh, Moses and Elijah standing with Jesus and talking. Because the glory of God, when it breaks through in the natural, has the ability to change your physical state. That, 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 that's the exciting thing about the glory of God. Now, 
I want to go to the New Testament in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 3, verse 18. Uh, 2 Corinthians, let's do it free, verse 3. To 2 Corinthians, chapter number 3, verse 18. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. He said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Bible talks about we also, the same way Moses beheld the glory of God, we are also beholding the glory of God today. But then, remember, Paul used a, a way or a figure of speech here that is sometimes troublesome to us. Because he said we are looking as in a mirror. The glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, you need to understand that when Paul used that imagery, he had in mind not only us, amen, but he has in mind the people of the Old Testament also. Because in the Old Testament, they were beholding the glory, but they didn't know who the glory was. Amen. They call the glory Jehovah Rapha. They call the glory Yahweh Shammah. They call the glory all kinds of names. Hallelujah. They were looking also in a blur mirror. One of my friends, Jews, explained to me something very interesting. It says in the book of Exodus chapter number 3, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, amen, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, and God, Moses asked God, who are you? Tell me your name. God says, your English version says, I am that I am, or I am who I am. Amen? In your English version. But it was not what God was saying. He, he shocked me. He said that, that sentence does not exist in the Hebrew language. So they put it that way so that we can see. But the Hebrew word that God says is this. When Moses said, who are you and what's your name? He said, I am the one that will embody. I am the one that will take a body. So that's why his name was Immanuel. Meaning, God took a body and came in our midst. So, already there, God was saying to Moses, I am Jesus. So, when Jesus, before he was born, they said, his name shall be Emmanuel, meaning God tabernacles among us. So, the people of the Old Testament were looking at Emmanuel, but they didn't know he was Emmanuel. So they gave him names according to what he did. When he healed them, they say you are Rapha. When he gave them provision, they say you are Jara. So they were, they were giving names. That's why in Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the disciple, he said, Who do the people say that I am? He said, Some says you are Elijah. Some says you are Jeremiah. Some say you are a prophet. He said, but you, who do you say that I am? He was testing their ability to look. 
He was testing their ability to discern who was in front of them. And the Bible says, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of a living God. He said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you this truth, that you are Peter and upon this rock, I shall build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying to Peter that, that no man can know me by his own understanding. No man can know my glory by his own searching. It's my father that revealed me to them. And he said, Peter, because you have that revelation, upon the revelation, I shall build my church. And what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against this. And I told you many years ago that realize that you don't go to war carrying the gates of the cities. So, gate of hell don't move to come to you. The one at the gate, if you get to the gate, it means you are on a offensive, not defensive. In war, whenever you get to the gate of your enemies, it means that you are winning. Another thing of gate that I told you is that is at the gate that all the plans are made. You know, in, in modern war, they have a, a, a squad of generals that plan the war. They are in a room and they plan. And then they have information and they, they dispatch soldiers and they tell them, let's attack at this time, let's do this, because in that time they are weak or in that area they are weak, they are planning. So that is the gate of the war. So what Jesus was saying is that anything certain plans in hell shall not work against you. So it means that the plans of Satan will not work against you. Hallelujah. So he can plan. That is not a problem. You know, Isaiah as our 54 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now the catch is that he didn't say the weapon will not be formed. Amen. Amen. It said the weapon shall not prosper. Let me tell you something. The mindset of the writer was this. It means when Satan come with a weapon, you have the technology to dismantle it. Amen. That's what he's saying. It means when it comes to a weapon, before it can shoot, you can dismantle it. So that's why I say it will not prosper. So it doesn't matter. So, so, so Jesus was, when I come back to Matthew 60, Jesus was taking the ability to see. Then he realizes that these people have come to a place where my father has told them who I am. Now, hallelujah. Now the disciple came to this place. My Lord, help me, help me. The disciple came to this place. Can we go to John chapter number 1, verse 14? John chapter number 1, verse 14. Are you still here with me? Yes. John 1, 14. He said, and the word became flesh. Ha! The word became flesh. That was what God told Moses. I will be the one that embodied. 
uh, the word became flesh and what? Emmanuel, or say tabernacle. Say the word became flesh. Say with me, say the word became flesh. And tabernacled among us. And he said, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son, of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So, the glory was with them the same way the glory was with Moses on the mountain. So all this time, they beheld the glory. So because they beheld the glory, they had certain abilities that proceed from the glory. They could cast out demons. Hallelujah. They could cast out demons. They did all this because they beheld the glory. Hallelujah. They beheld the glory. They beheld the glory. Hallelujah. So, because they beheld the glory full of truth, they changed. Hallelujah. Something in them changed. And now, let's go again and read uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. I want to show you something there. Second Corinthians 3.18. Let's go. We're almost finished. He said, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory. Now, why does he say we behold, we, we behold as in a mirror? I explained to you that he had in mind the old covenant sent, but he had in mind also us. Because, huh, remember Paul was the one writing. Huh? This was not written by John. Because John says, we behold the glory. He never put mirror there. So for John, the beholding was not like through a mirror. It was like face to face. So they saw Jesus face to face. First John says, that which was from the beginning, the word that we have touched, which we have handled, the word of truth. So first John is talking about something that he experienced. He lied in the bosom of the glory. He called the glory the one that loved me. He had dinner with the glory. He had fellowship with the glory. Hallelujah. He knew the glory. He walked with the glory in the street of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. He saw the glory as I see you. But Paul never experienced that. So when he came to Paul, he said, we look like in a mirror. And which mirror he was talking about? The word of God. So Paul is saying, we that didn't see him physically, we can look in the mirror and see him. So Paul was saying that when we look in the mirror, we are changed. Ah. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, why does it say from glory to glory? I'll explain to you today. Because many people think from glory to glory means I am in this glory. Then I go into another glory. Then I'm going to, you know, preachers say, some even know, some say from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. The Bible says from glory to glory. To. Okay. Let's read it again. Let's read it again a second uh, uh, second Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 18. 
He said, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to? From glory to? Not to glory, 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 glory. It becomes like a rhyme. Glory, 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 glory. No, from glory to glory. Let me explain to you what Paul was saying to us. Paul, remember Paul, grew under the old covenant. Amen? So Paul was explaining that Paul is the one that says the old covenant has glory and the new has a better glory. Uh-huh. So what Paul was trying to explain is that when we look at Christ, we move from the glory of the Old Testament to the glory of the New Testament. That's what he was talking about. That's why he said from glory to glory. So all this preaching, just pack them up. Just, just put them aside. You, you are not moving from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. No! You are moving from the Old Testament understanding to the New Testament understanding. And he said, how, how do we do that? He said, by the Spirit, by the Lord, which is the Spirit. Meaning, meaning the one that transfers you from the old covenant to the new covenant is the Holy Ghost. Meaning when you understand the Holy Ghost, you leave the laws and the regulations and you enter a relationship with the Father. So now you are in relationship with Christ, you are not in relationship with rules anymore. You have moved from the old glory to the new glory. So we are changed. We are changed. And remember, I told you one time here. Yeah. I think one Sunday I told you. I asked you when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You say you see yourself. And I challenge you. And I say you don't see yourself. Remember? I told you you don't see yourself. You think you see yourself. No, but don't, you don't see yourself. You know what you see? You see the picture of who you want to be. That's why you have putting makeup. Because when you look in the mirror, there was no makeup. <laughs> Amen? So when you are looking, you have a vision in your mind. The reason why you are looking, so that you can adjust what you see to the vision. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what you see there, it seems like yourself. No. But what you see there, you are adjusting it to be your future. Because after you finish everything, when you look now, you say, so what were you seeing in the first place? You were seeing something that looks like you, but not the vision you want. So what is the Bible saying? When you look at the word, and I start to apply the word to me. Mm. <laughs> Jesus. So when I'm reading the word, what I'm doing actually, uh, when I read the word, I have a vision of being like Christ. Amen. But when I look in the word, I see, yo, I'm still lying. Yo. Um, so what you are seeing there is not you. <laughs> because the word will confront your nature and make you see yourself ugly. And if you stop there, you will be depressed. You need to understand that the word is showing me something so that I can, my future can be what the word wants. 
So when you read the word, it says, don't lie. And you say, yo, but I'm a liar. No, no. Your mistake is that you don't understand that God wants to take you to a place where you are not a liar. So the word will show you the way. That's why, unless you are a very qualified and trained person, you cannot make, put makeup without mirror. Hallelujah. Otherwise, you will put it somewhere where you don't want to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes I, I see some lady, I said, look in the mirror. Because they want to put something here, they put it like this. So I, I wonder if there was a mirror somewhere. Or they just, they just missed it. Because, because the, eye, the eyebrows are supposed to come like that, but this is going like a... <laughs> you know... You, you, know, you know those birds, the owls? Sometimes they look like owls. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you must know the future you want. Don't, don't create a future you don't want. Hallelujah. No, that was just to tease you a bit. If you put it like that and they like it, it's fine. <laughs> just, just continue. Make sure you don't look like an owl. That's all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the glory of God. But the Bible says we... We listen in the Old Testament. What I, 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 I understood is that the Old Testament glory was manifesting in places where people were, and then he leaves. It will, on the mountain. Moses comes down with a residue of the glory, but the glory stays on the mountain. When Moses met God, he came down, God was there, God stayed there. Every time, listen. I, so I spoke to you about 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. When the fire came into the temple, it stopped there. It means that when you are away from that temple, no fire. You just need to come close to the temple before you meet fire. David was so desperate that he made a psalm about it. Amen? And we are quoting that psalm. I hope I will not be in trouble again. But... <laughs> My wife said, but, so what must we say now? Everything we shouldn't say, I said, no, relax. <laughs> so, so uh, David quote the, listen, Psalm 27. Are you still here with me? Psalm 27. Let's read uh, Psalm 27. Psalm 27. The Lord is my and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is of whom shall I be? Let's go on. When the wicked to eat up my flesh, my enemies, they stop there. This was the life of David. God was his protection. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom 
shall I be afraid? No. Go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Just want to go there with you quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me find it here before we read it and to follow it with you. It's already on the thing there. It's good. Okay. Psalm 91. They say the offer is anonymous. Now we attribute it sometimes, you know. People on the psalm, they say psalm of David. David didn't write. <laughs> Whenever we quote psalm, they say David. David didn't write all the psalms. It was anonymous. But let's read. Psalm 91. He who shall Okay, stop there. Do you know that David in Psalm 27 understood that God was his protection. In Psalm 91, whoever it is, says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So this writer of the Psalm is talking about a reality that is not relevant for the New Testament believer. Amen. Somebody can say amen. You want to say amen. Let me explain first. It's wise not to say amen. Just wait. Okay. In the tabernacle, the place that is called the secret place is the holies of holies. Eh? Now, the holies of holies has the ark of the covenant. And on the ark of the covenant, there were cherubs with wings spread like this. Amen? Now, only the priest could go there once a year. And this guy said, the one that dwells in that secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? So he's talking was already disqualified because he couldn't go there. Ah. He couldn't go there because that was the holies of holies. Now, but he said, he who that, he that dwells in the secret place, he does not even talk just about going there. He talks about dwelling. Then he said, he shall abide under the shadow. Under the shadow. Under the shadow. Under the shadow. God does not have shadow. Shadow is created when light comes upon you, but God is light. No, come on. God does not have shadow. They say in him there is no shadow. There is a scripture. <laughs> Jesus. No, no, he said, he had by under the shadow of the Almighty. So, what was he talking about here? Hmm? I'll explain. Now, let's carry on. I'll get, I'll get back to that. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. He shall say, Of oh, the Lord is my refuge and my source, and my God in whom I trust. Let's go. Uh, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of a follower and from the perilous pestilence. Uh, he shall cover you with favors. God does not have favors. No, God does not. He's not a bird. <laughs> Under his wings, he shall take him. God does not have wings. 
He's talking about angels. Feathers and wings. Now, where was the angels? On the mercy seat. Go back to the scripture where I say I'm going. Go back. Go back. Verse 1. Go back to verse 1. He shall dwell in, we shall, shall, by under the shadow of the Almighty. So what the men were saying, the tabernacle was built in a way uh, that when the sun is arising, it shines on the tabernacle. And the reflection of the angels under creates a shadow outside. So what he did is that when it's like, he goes and stands there because he can't go into the holies of holies. So the shadows of his wings are a protection to him. So he stays under there. So he said, if I could dwell here all my life, I would be protected. Because the reflection of the holies of holies is upon me. So the residue of the glory comes upon me. <laughs> so when you talk about this in the New Testament, there is something that is not right with your understanding. Now, why do I say, why do I say that now the glory does not just come in a place? When we read Acts chapter number 2, the fire, when it came, where did that fire go? Inside. Okay. Let's read another scripture. Let's read another scripture. Let's read the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, let's go verse 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse 6 to 7. So this shadow, this shadow, this shadow that you guys are talking about, it confuses you. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4. Uh-huh. He said, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our hearts. So where is the light now? And do you know that the glory is portrayed by light? So he has shone in our light uh, to give a light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let's go on. But we have this treasure. Ah... I don't know, I'm not an Englishman. But what he's talking about is, is now concluding that what I say up there, but now we have this treasure in earthen vessel. So the glory of God is carried inside of us now. Yeah. So this treasure is in earthen vessels. The glory was upon them and the glory came near them. But now the glory came in us. And the glory came in earthen vessels. Then he said, let's go on. No, no, let's, 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 let's go back to seven. But we, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So the glory does not belong to men. The glory belongs to God. But men become custodian of a b- b- glory because the glory is in you. Ha! Huh. You know, when your money is at the bank, the money does not belong to the bank. It belongs to you. But who watches over it? The bank. So the glory is from God, is in you, but you are the one to take care of it. Because God has trusted you with the glory. It's inside of you. You become custodian of the glory. So he said... Then when we have the glory, then it goes on verse 8. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Why? Because the glory is there. So the gl- when the glory of God is in you, you cannot be crushed. Amen. They can try. 
They can try, but you shoot up to the top because you cannot confine somebody with the glory inside of you in a box. Say so we are hard-pressed, but not We are perplexed, but not in despair. A child of God shouldn't be in despair. I'm not saying it can't be. I say it shouldn't be. Why? Because if he understands who is inside of him, and he knows that doesn't matter what happened, the glory inside of me will make a way. Hey, the glory inside of me will make a way. He said, not this way. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Ha! Huh. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? So, doesn't matter what you are going through now. It does not have the ability to destroy you. It can only press you, but it cannot destroy you. Try to drown an inflated balloon. Try to drown that balloon. How, do you, how are you going to do that? Press. But when you lose, let's see, you shoot because of the air inside. When the glory is, of God is inside, it's a divine thing in you that when they press you down, it feels like you are going down under the pressure. But when they leave you, you shoot up to the top because no man can keep somebody with glory inside of him down. You need to know the Christ that you have chosen. You need to know the God. Listen, we are not in religion here. We are not trying to tell you, just love Jesus. We are trying to tell you, Jesus loved you. Because religion does it otherwise. Other way around. Love God with all your heart. Love God, love... But they never tell you that you, you must love him because he first loved you. Because when you understand how much God loves you, you fall in love with him. You see, you might not love a guy, but his way of being with you can make you fall in love with him. Women, you know that? Okay, so what happened? It's a, it's a, it's a couple fellowship thing. So, <laughs> so if a person next to you, you realize a person does not love you that way, make the person fall in love with you. So God does that. The more you say you don't love him, the more he shows you how much he loves you. And you have no any other choice but fall in love with him. Because you can't doubt the love. You can't, listen, listen. Perfect love cast out fear. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I was in a counseling, premarital counseling. Covis, you can even use that one. Because you do come. And I asked the, the man, if tomorrow your wife comes to you and he said, she doesn't love you anymore. What do you do? He says, Pastor, I'll ask her why. <laughs> he said, I'll ask her, what have I done? I said, that's the wrong question. I said, when she comes and says she doesn't love you, this is not human. Human can't do that. We need to go into the new creation realities. When she says she doesn't love you, you know what you do? you fall in love with her more. You don't understand this principle. How many people say to Jesus, I don't love you? And the more they say that to him, the more he pours his love in them. Because love conquered a multitude of sin. So there is a conquering force in love that no human being can resist if you are not the devil himself. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the glory of God comes in you. Hmm. And then you realize that I can go through things. But those things, that's why the Bible says you are going through. 
You hear the word, you are going through. It didn't say you are going in, you are going through. So it's not a destination, it's a passage. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you experience today, it's part of your testimony. It's just piling up for your testimony. Now I want to end with this Colossians 1 27. Colossians 1 27. You know, it's easy to say it, it's difficult to do it. You cannot do it by your own power. What I'm saying, if I do it, I will fail, man. I need to go before God and say, listen, this lady doesn't like me. Give me grace. It's grace. It's not just talking. You need, because it will hurt you. But when it hurts you, go before God. And say, God, if I live this way, I have failed. Because the Bible says, greater love has nothing than this. The one that lays down his life for his friend. And I told you in the Bible, most of the time when we talk about friend, we are talking about somebody that does not like you. That's what you must know. Yes. Hey, you read, you read your Bible most. He said, if you only greet those who greet you, what, what good have you done? So when the Bible talks about friend, he's not talking about the one that pampers you. He's talking about somebody that opposes you most of the time. Yes. <laughs> good, good, good. Now, let's read this. To them, God, to make known whatever riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Imagine you walk around with Christ in you. When we forget that reality, we walk around like human beings. Christ in us. Christ in you. Christ, I say Christ is Christ. Let me say this carefully because people can misunderstand. Bible talks about Christ. He's talking about a higher dimension than Jesus. Christ was dwelling in Jesus. Jesus was a body. Christ was a spirit. Amen. He talks about the body of Christ. Have you heard that Jesus, the Bible says the body of Jesus? He talks about the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So he's talking about the higher dimension of the anointing because Christ means the anointed one. So the one in the body of Jesus was the one, is the one that is dwelling in you now. The one that did the miracle was not the body. It was the Father in him. That's why he said, it's the Father in me that is doing what I'm doing because the Father in him is Christ. And, it, and, 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 and the, fa- the Christ is dwelling in you. The reason why you don't feel like that is because Christ does not have a body. You are only his body. Christ doesn't have a body on his own. He has you as his body. The Bible says he's a head. So, can I take a bit further? When we talk about Christ, when we we say he's a head and we have a body. So together, we are Christ. Him and us, we form Christ. That's why he said to the disciples, go and cast out devils. Why? Because he knew who they were. He said, heal the sick. 
So now when you go and you exercise the dominion and the glory, you are not exercising in fear anymore because Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when you walk there, do you know who is walking there? Christ. People see your body, but it's not your body. That's why you can't take the glory because there's a principle in you that is doing the work. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So because Christ doesn't have a body, how we lay hands on people? He need to come into a body so that he can lay hands on people. Because Christ doesn't have a body, how will he go and preach the gospel? He need to come into a body so that he can preach the gospel. That's why in Matthew he say, when they take you to the court, don't worry about what you're going to say. Because at the right time, word will come. Because the one in you could speak. Greater is he that is in you than the one that is in the world. Can we give a big hand to our Lord? You are empowered by God. Hey! Hey! Empowered by God. That's why I say, when sickness touches this mortal body, you don't struggle with the body. You said, eternal life. Eternal life in me. Destroy this. Because this body is subject to death. But there is something, Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God in you vitalizes this mortal body. So when death comes to this mortal body, you can unleash the principle inside of the body that activates grace and heals the body by itself. So your body can suffer, but your spirits ah, Yay! But the spirit in you is strong. So then, when you pray now, you are not worried about you say, Father, thank you for eternal life in me is rising right now. Principle of life, because where there is life, there is life to your full. Ha, ha. He has come so that you may have life and life to your full. So when your body is struggling, if you fall into a mistake of being depressed because your body is struggling, you are losing. But when your body is struggling, Put yourself in a higher dimension and say, my spirit, haha, my spirit knows better. My body may suffer, but my spirit knows better. Hey, hey, hey. That's why when you go to the hospital, they check you and say, there is something wrong with your brain. You say, okay, that is the brain that is in my head. But there's a principle that controls that brain. So I'm calling upon that principle. And I'm saying, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Can we give a big hand to our Lord? All the glory.